Gun line, gun line, gun line. I got a fire mission coming down for y'all, baby. It's your host, Lopez, and you're listening to the On the Gun Line podcast where we shoot the shit like we did out in the field. So go on and pop a squat because it's about to get hot right now. You are on the gun line. Today, I have a guest, first time uh, guest here on the gun line with us. His name is Vincent Campos. We served together in 277 Field Artillery back in Fort Car... Uh, sorry, Fort Hood. Um back from uh, i was there from 05 to 07 i don't know how much longer he was there after i left but uh one thing i will say is i do remember him we weren't running into the same clicks per se because you always have your little subgroups but we knew of campos we knew of campos because he was your the man we should have listened to about ron paul back then but we'll get into (laughs) that uh with that being said i want to welcome you here uh what's going on man how you doing campos Really, really good, man. It's good to see you. It's a long time. Yeah, it has been, man. I mean, it's been shit. Can you believe it's almost been fucking 20 years, bro? Yeah, it's about 18 years now, but yeah, it's get, getting on 20. Yeah, bro. I, I like to round up, you know. It just yeah. makes it sound cooler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good shit, brother. So, man, what have you been up to over the last couple of years? Like, I mean, well, let's get this out of the way. How long have you been out now? Well, I got out October. I, I got out active duty October 07. Okay. Um, and then I went back into the guard in 2015. Oh wow! And then okay. I got out of the guard in 2020. Oh damn! So you've been a little bit active. Um, you did both active and fucking uh, uh nasty girl. That's good shit, yeah. man. Good shit. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and piggyback off of that, man. Well, what do you do now? So now I'm an accounting manager or an accountant. I work for a uh, trucking company. Okay, okay, that that works. That's good. Man. It pays the bills, right, baby? That's all that matters. Shit, yeah. good stuff, man. That's awesome. So good stuff. Let's go ahead and uh and Charlie Mike through this, baby. By the way, it's Halloween night, and um I didn't take that into account uh when we set up this fucking because we've been trying to link up for a hot minute now, just so y'all know. Yeah. All right, but you know shit happens, you know, and um I didn't even realize today was Halloween, so hopefully it doesn't. I don't get um bothered too much i left candy outside for the kids to pick up so but with that said brother um compost where are you from originally so i was born in omaha nebraska and that's where i that's where i currently work but i don't live in omaha i actually live across the missouri river in a town called council bluffs iowa and so that's Mm -hmm. where i grew up was in council bluffs but but if you know where omaha is at you'll know where council bluffs is at i actually know where omaha is I, yeah. I know exactly where that's it, and I know that Iowa is like literally right around the fucking corner from y'all. So oh, yeah. that's good shit, dude. Um, so what was your childhood like? Where is it like a small town? Fucking, what was it like growing up? Where you were at? So like, um, it wasn't bad. Uh, so like, it's a pr- I would call it a pretty big town, but we're right next to Omaha. So like, uh, I literally, if I get in the car, I'm probably about literally six minutes from downtown Omaha. Okay. Uh, so as soon as I cross, as soon as I cross the river, cross the Missouri, big buildings, skyscrapers, right there. How old are you? So, uh, I am thirty-seven. Okay, cool. So you grew up nineties, right? Yeah. Oh, nineties okay. kid. Yep. Well, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Tell me, uh, what was your experience like? Like, you know, um, in like junior high, high school, like, um, how did, how did that mold Campos to eventually join the motherfucking military? So it's funny you ask that because uh, the last I joined Facebook within the last year and a half. And so mm-hmm. with that, I've been catching up with a lot of people, not only from our unit, but also from people I went to high school with. And so 
last year, we just been talking to the few people I've been talking to, we've been going over like just how things were back then, just how the problems we had back then, but now the problems we have now are nowhere near what mm-hmm. you know, just uh, too different, but then also pop culture and all that. And, and um, so, you know, I grew up when I went into junior high, I was going into junior high when Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, all that stuff just came out that year, that seventh grade year of junior high. That's when it all came out. Um, and for a lot of our guests who know you, we know who you had a crush on. And, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to say nothing about that, but you sure as fuck, you were hitting on that. I was trying to, I was going to steer away from that shit, but um, you had a major fucking crush on someone. Is it still, are you still in love with her, man? I mean, she's, she's beautiful. She's still as beautiful. I mean, she's beautiful back then. She's still beautiful now. And for those that don't know, it's Hillary fucking Duff, y'all. <laughs> Hillary Duff. If it's one thing that we knew Campos about was Hillary Duff. I really, I'm not lying to you. I was trying to steer away from that. But when you brought that shit, I'm like, oh, we're going there early. <laughs> how, so, yeah, how did that influence you then, man? I mean, uh, you were in seventh grade. That shit, like, so, so the teeny boppers popped out, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where were you going with that? I mean, it's just that, like, it, it was such a big, like, teen craze that was going on and i think just you know with my study of history and i guess looking at things when i was a kid until now i think hollywood does this i I think like they'll go through a big huge team phase thing uh bring a whole bunch of new people in it's big for for maybe four years then it kind of goes down and then it's big again so like you know for us it was you know the britney spears instinct uh backstreet boys all those people it went down you had a few people and then all of a sudden Justin Bieber, mm. uh, you know, and so then, you know, and then later and then now he's not as big anymore. And then three, four years, someone else comes up. So you think that uh, so, it goes through ebb and flows uh, as far as like how to uh, manipulate or probably uh, guide the culture of the yeah, youth? A little bit. I mean, you know, you can call it marketing. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's about ma- making money. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that. <laughs> You want to get in a little bit of the political part of it. I, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of uh, people throwing, putting their hands in there with uh, cultural or political influence. But gotcha. for, the most part, for the most part, it's marketing and making money. What was your high school like? I mean, like, uh, okay, let me ask you this. Do you have any uh, family or like direct family that was prior service military? Uh, No, not really. Probably oh, wow. the closest one was my grandpa. No that shit. Was okay. Back in World War II. No shit. All right. So being yeah. that you're from, uh, well, you're from Nebraska, Council Bluffs, whatever out there. Yeah. Your last name is Campos. Uh, how much yeah. Spanish do you know? Are you even a Spanish influence I, at all? Or are you like second, third, not, fourth generation? I'd say, you know, fourth generation. I I, I didn't. I mean, I grew up in a small, you know, mostly predominantly white town. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't have that influence. Uh, my mom can speak a little bit of Spanish and my dad was in the band years ago, um, so there's that. But me, no. <laughs> so wait, so your your parents did speak? Well, they are Mexican or yeah. of of Mexican descent. Yeah. Okay, right on. I don't know if you're like a white chicken, you know, like half white or anything like that, or Indian, because a lot of Indians out there in that area as well. So, yeah. right on. Okay, cool. So, um, your grandpa was the last person that you know of that was um military. How does Campos? Join the army. Talk to me that experience, man. So for me, it was for me it was multiple things. Like some people, they have one thing that did it. For me, it's multiple things. One, um, 
wanted to get out and grow up, um, get away from council, get away from Omaha, see the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, till this day, there's people that I know who still haven't grown up, grown up. They're still in that mentality. And as soon as I finished high school, I wanted to get out of here. Um, there was that there was, I needed to do something with my life afterwards. Eventually I wanted, I knew I was going to do college, but I just wasn't at that time. I was not ready for it. Right. Um, I wasn't mature enough for it. Um, needed work. That was another reason. Um, and, but I think the, probably the big motivator was, uh, I was sophomore. I was a sophomore in high school when nine 11 happened. So when that uh-huh. happened, uh, that was, that was a big motivator that, that I told myself, yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to sign up. Okay. So were there any options between like the branches or was the army, the one you were set on? I'd say army was probably the one I was set on. Um, the air force, I figure if I was going to join the air force, I'd want to be a pilot. You know, you got to go to school for that. Mm-hmm. Navy. I can barely swim. Don't like the water. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then the Marine Corps, you just don't have that much options. So, right. Yeah. But you get to be a fucking Marine. Yeah, Damn well, that's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, uh, one thing I take yeah. uh, is a lot of pride in the Army. You know, kind of like the Jarheads do with their fucking, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. I feel the same way about being a soldier. Once you're a soldier, you're always a soldier. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that don't look at it that way. They don't take that pride. I do. I have that pride within my service. Um. So, all right, so you got to talk to a recruiter. You took the ASVAB. How did you land a 13 Bravo slot? So I've always studied history since I was a kid. Probably okay. uh, I have books, history books that I have in my uh, library right now that I probably purchased maybe when I was about nine, ten years old. And so I, I have one one section on my shelf that's just dedicated to the Napoleonic Wars and, and Napoleon. And so uh, if you know anything about him, he was a artillery officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so just knowing his life and this knowing everything, everything about the Napoleonic Wars. Also, someone uh, someone else, uh, and I, and at the time, I really liked the guy. Now I don't, politically. But uh, Alexander Hamilton was uh, okay. also an artillery officer. Yes, he was. Um, and his unit, and by the way, I, I think his unit, I forgot the name of the unit. Yeah, they're, well, I think they, well, I guess. I thought. I think it's 1-5 out of Fort Riley. Okay. It's Hamilton's own. I think that, okay. Uh, yeah, his, I know his unit's still around. And so, those two guys had a big influence in regards of um, me choosing uh, 13 Bravo uh, when I signed up. For the okay. Army. Okay. Did you have any other options or is that just you were, you were dead set with that? I was pretty much dead set. I think my second option might've been infantry, but I was dead set on field artillery. I don't blame you, baby. I don't blame you. Um, myself. I was more tanker, but I didn't get that. And I've already given my, I've already given my uh, story on that many times, but um, good shit. Okay, so thirteen Bravo. What year did you join? Two thousand four. Two thousand and four. Okay, what yeah. year did you go through basic? Oh, not what year? What months? So who I was in your basic from our unit? France. Uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of guys, man. France, Becerra, uh, Johnson, rest so- of soul. Uh, um. Who else, man? There's a whole bunch of guys. McCabe, he was in my platoon, but he was in my battery. Um, McCabe? Yep, McCabe. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, man. There's probably about, we have, we probably have about 16 guys that, Krigger, Krigger was there. 
Okay. Do um, me a favor. Give me one second. I got to pause this for a second, okay? All right. Due to some difficulties, I had to go away. I'm back. We're good to go. My daughter is outside scaring the shit out of little kids, and I just want to make sure she didn't do that to a toddler baby, you know, and then fucking paranoid her forever. So last we were talking, we were talking about those that were in your unit. So McCabe was in your unit. So McCabe's battle buddy is actually one of my good friends uh, from okay. basic training. His name is Urena. Um, okay. So I don't know if you knew him, too, but um, no, they were battle buddies in there. But yeah, man. OK, so tell me about yeah. your basic training experience. Uh, I'm trying to think who. So Thrill Kill was there. Okay. Um, do you ever know Kovac? Yes, I do remember that name, Kovac. Co yeah, he did. He was probably in our unit for like three months when I got when we got there, and then he got in all kinds of trouble. And he's I don't know if he's still in prison or not, but anyway. Oh shit! Yeah, see that there's some things that I don't recall from a long motherfucking time ago, bro. But yeah. um, because like I said, I mean. I remember a lot, but from um, the folks that I used to mainly run around with, like for me, it was me, McConnell, Moya, Holguin, um, Sanchez, Diaz, you know, Kowalczyk. Um, uh, no, okay. Never mind. Cruz. I thought Cruz. Uh, Weiss. I went to, he, he was in the Oh, basic. Weiss. Yeah, right on. Weiss. Yep. Hell yeah, dude. I, I think that's from what I remember. There Now, there was a few other people that like two or three people that were in bravo battery i forgot mm -hmm. their names and then there was like two or three fisters that came and then once they got rid of the fisters in our unit uh, they went somewhere else at fort hood okay yeah so was uh basic training how did you, how did it compare to what your thoughts were going to be like what did you think basic was going to be like versus your first experience there well the first thing is is on the way going there i was nervous as hell mm -hmm. uh, especially that uh uh, bus ride from uh, Oklahoma City to Fort Sill. Okay. Um, I think after about the first night after the first night of, was it, 91st, the, the replacement? 95th. I think it's called 95th. Then uh, um, I was okay. And then once, and we kept hearing about shark attack, shark attack. And then once once they actually showed up and they started yelling at us, and here's the other thing. I didn't shave that day. There was like two days mm -hmm. I went without shaving. Oh, they're all over. They, I got yelled at probably three or four times. And then I got, and then I messed up by calling some of the drill sergeants, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I got yelled at, but, but the funny thing is, is with them yelling at me, you know, making me do pushups, I was like, you know what? This can't, this ain't nothing. I can get through this. So all that anxiety and me being nervous just completely just went away. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was all right. Did you fly below the radar while you were in basic, like to avoid, you know, getting, uh, picked on i guess you could say by the motherfucking drills so or... i got so the very first day i got picked on because because of all that they learned my name quickly and so oh, i remember shit. once we got to the actual unit we were sitting we were sitting down and then some drill sergeant called my name he says carnival stand up but he was looking at some other kid and calling him that and so i didn't i didn't stand up oh. and then the other kid was like like who, who are you talking to and then he's like i'm talking to you and then, then the drill sergeant turned and said, Carpools, I know that name. Who's that? Stand up. And so then I stood up. Oh. And then that's when like three of them were like, oh, look, we already know who you are. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. That That's no bueno. Yeah. But it, it was after the, after the first two days, it was nothing. Because I, I pretty much, uh, I just kept quiet and didn't get, I mostly stayed out of trouble. There was a few times I got in trouble in basic, but 
uh i didn't do i didn't do stuff the other guys did oh, all right like what do you mean like what kind of stuff are we talking about that the other guys did or uh, that you got in trouble for saying stupid stuff for drill sergeants or getting uh um that or throwing tantrum tantrums and then just getting smoked for it um uh, I don't know, just being stupid, just doing stupid stuff, um, you know, and then like, you know, sometimes some of the guys that get picked on, it's like, you know, some, if you didn't act a certain way you did and say the mm-hmm. things you did, you you, you want to get picked on. And so I just didn't do that stuff. I just, you know, I was there. I I did as hard. I pushed as hard as I could when it comes to PT. Okay. Uh, whenever we went to training for anything, I just kept my mouth shut and tried to learn to do the best I could. And what do you think was the most yeah. difficult part for you uh, going through boot camp? I don't, you know, that's hard. Probably just, just be, being experienced with something new. Okay. Because I left for basic, I left for basic a month after high school. Oh shit. Yeah. Wow, dude. Thanks for making me yeah. feel fucking ancient. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, bro. I was my twenty seventh birthday was my first day at the ninety fifth. Oh Fuck. shit. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah. So, all right, what do you think was one of the uh, experience? Like, what? Tell me one of the best experiences from basic training that you had, and one of the worst. Probably just been just being able to pass PT. It easier than like seeing other guys struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when you asked about expectations earlier, like um, I remember spending like the the before basic spending two months just practicing every night pushups. Just jump because I was like, you know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to be with guys from all over the country. I don't mm-hmm. want to be going into basic training. This is, you know, this is the army. I'm going to be in there. I don't want to be in there looking like a, some weak ass kid. And so, you know, so then I, you know, it was because of me practicing like I did, you know, it, and then put, you know, and pushing myself. Uh, Yeah. It just went, when other guys, when I was passing the PT test, you know, other guys were failing, you know, right. I felt pretty good about it. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, one of the things that I didn't learn until I went to, to Fort Sill for our OSA at one station unit training was yeah. there was this thing called running shoes. I had no <laughs> idea that there was running shoes, like shoes made specifically for running. Now, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast. I'm sure I have, but, um, right before I went to, uh, to basic training, you know, I decided I'm going to buy me some new shoes, you know, to, to run in. I'm big into K-Swiss. All right, case oh, yeah. on my fucking shoes. I love my shoes. Oh, I, I yeah. So, I bought me some new case Swiss. Yeah, and I tried running in them. Um, apparently, I made it about a quarter mile, and I was like, I fucking quit. My feet hurt. Everything hurts. And um, I tried running in those. They're not made for running. Uh, apparently, I needed to buy some like you know fucking Reeboks or some Nike running shoes. Or I, I didn't. Basically, what I'm saying is, I didn't fucking know. I was ignorant to it but like yeah. you i did try to get myself in some kind of shape in order to you know to to get the basic training when i first got there bro like i mean i think i could do like maybe 20 sit-ups and then you know like correct push-ups maybe 30 correct push-ups maybe you know what i mean so i wasn't a a weak motherfucker but i wasn't strong either you know what i'm saying yeah so well but, that's kind of and that's kind of always how, how it was, whether it wasn't basic or at duty station, is that you'd have guys who would be really good at push-ups. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do sit-ups. Guys who would be really good at the run. 
mm-hmm. and put good up sit-ups, but they couldn't do push-ups. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was always one thing that somebody had. Yep. It, 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 I mean, but uh, I mean, one thing I did I did learn was to start looking at the whole soldier concept as I got, as I came up in um in the ranks. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but but that wasn't looked at much when we were privates. You know, when we were privates, if you were a PT stud, you fucking led the way in everything. You know what I mean? So yeah. But uh, dude, let me ask you. So that was one of your best experiences. Okay, so tell me one of your worst experiences in basic. Oh, getting in a fight. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I got in a fight with uh, one guy, and we made up. We made up like a couple, like two days afterwards. And it was some. <laughs> it was something really stupid. But it was in the laundry room, and we got in a fight, and uh, I gave him a bloody nose. And so, uh, what was funny is it was a Saturday, and I think we were in we were in AIT. Ooh. And it was a Saturday, so in AIT, that's when they started giving us weekend passes. So I got my because of what happened, I got my pass revoked. So while everybody got to go out and have fun for the day, I got and then, um, and then when everybody came back, there was a time where people were watching movies, mm-hmm. and so then the drill sergeant. Oh no, that was another time. That was another time. But no, that day I got uh, uh, my pass revoked. I'm just trying to wonder weekend passes. You guys got weekend passes. You came in before I did. So, yeah. So the weekend. So I guess what that entailed was you had to be back later on, like a certain time period. So they let us like if it's a Saturday, they let us go um, like probably around like nine o'clock in the morning. And then uh, they said that they only want us to stay on post, although, you know, guys would leave and then come back. But as long as you were back in formation by five o'clock that night then everything's good yeah but that but that was only an ait that was after we passed basic and then they're like okay you know on the weekends we'll let you guys have passes that's still some bullshit because i mean when we when we went from our we barely got to wear our berets that was like a big deal for us when we know when we were done with basic and went through the went to ait portion of it yeah we didn't have no weekend passes they would march us to get our haircuts and they would let us go into the little shop bed that was across from our barracks and then nope that was it that was you know we didn't get weekend pay i don't you know what i'm gonna talk a lot of shit to a lot of them fools that were in your fucking in your basic motherfuckers got weekend pass little bitches nah. <laughs> nah but that's cool man um i got you see for me my my worst experience was the fucking cs chamber the gas chamber was the worst experience ever i i've never come so close to dying in my life i uh i got a funny story with that and if maybe if any of the guys that was in the gas chamber with me um, may remember this, but you give me know, one quick the... second. Push, yeah, let me... go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. One second. All right, sorry about that, y'all. I had to make another quick stop because my daughter, I think, made some kids cry out there, so oh, <laughs> I had to go goodness. check on that. But now everything's all good. All right, so you were telling us the story about uh, was it the gas chamber, right? Yeah. So you remember that there's the cold room and then the hot room. Yes. You remember that? Okay. Yeah. So. In the cold room, they told us to like open the mask and then like put it back on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that ha- so when we were doing that, I did that and like the back just like snapped, like slipped, it slipped off. So then it completely came off, and then I started panicking. And then I I start I breathed breathed it in a little bit, and I was like, and I just started doing this, and then the drill sergeant grabbed it, and started putting it in, and I was just in so much pain, and I I'm not joking, I went like this and pushed his face out and knocked him down. Oh, because shit. I was just, because I was just panicking, right? And I was in pain. I, I, I wasn't 
in as much pain, obviously, that what came soon, but mm -hmm. I was in, I felt it. Mm -hmm. So then finally, he just yells at me. He goes, put your hands down. And I did. And then that's when he just, he, then he puts the, the gas mask back on me. Mm -hmm. And then, so then as we slowly start going into the hot room, I was just telling guys, I'm like, you guys ain't going to like this. You guys ain't going to, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I just said, you guys ain't going to like this. But <laughs> yeah. My God, dude, I, I feel your pain on that. Um, cause the so for those that don't know, you have a cold room and a hot room. And the cold room, what they make you do is they make you go ahead and break the seal and to let the, the gas in, and then you you close it back up and you clear your mask. And basically, um, it's to gain confidence that your mask works. All right. Because once you put it back on and you clear it, you're able to breathe normal again. And then when you go to the hot room, that's where the, the shit show begins. Because um, I'm pretty sure they did the same with you all, where we where they made us line up, and then we're like five at a time. You know, we just pull our masks and, off, and you and you have to watch the guys in front of you go in front of you go. Yep, before you had, go. they had you lined up in the whole fucking inside the room. It's like, <laughs> a, and then you see five at a time. You five go, and then they tell you go ahead. All right, you know, take it off, and then fucking say the soldier's creed, say your name. Oh, oh, that, that was fuck. I got, I think I was like, I, I remember I took a big gulp. I was like, Private Danny Alfonso Lopez, five, 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 you know, my whole social and then all that. And then I, I got to the, um, I am an American soldier. And that's when I took in the big gulf and that was it, bro. I went straight to my knee and I started breathing in each breath. Like you said, it's, it's like blades cutting your lungs is what it feels like, you know? Yeah. And, I remember Drill Sergeant Schlockter told us, man, he's like, are you going to die? Nope. But you're going to wish you did. That motherfucker, man, was, whew, he was something else. Yeah. But, um, That was in Delta Battery 122. Um, I'm guessing you were like in Alpha Bravo or something. Alpha maybe? Alpha 122. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. But um, yeah, those were like, you know, some experiences that, that stick with us forever, you know? And I got another one. And Go so uh, on the way going out, I'm just, I got my hand on the guy in front of me and we're right. going out and the guy that was in front of me was pushing whoever was in front of him mm -hmm. and so he like walked right out and then the drill sergeant like put his hand and like held me in and grabbed him pulled him back in to the, the gas chamber and said don't push and then, <laughs> then then it's like then he pushed him out and then then, then finally i'm able to go out oh, but then it doesn't end there so then we go out and we finally recover mm. no no oh, i'm sorry before this is now this is something scary before we we, we even went in there mm -hmm. um uh third platoon was in there and we're waiting and we're seeing guys coming out going oh yeah flapping their arms mm -hmm. and then so then all of a sudden the door busts open and they're pulling this one guy out and he has blood coming out of his mouth oh, shit. and then yeah and then um two of the drill sergeants put him in the back of the truck and they're taking him away and we're all looking like, what the hell just happened? And so then finally, I remember Jill Sergeant Snyder comes up and he finally talks to us like normal people because he tries mm -hmm. to calm us down because he knows that we're all scared after seeing that. And he says, listen, here's what you have to breathe. He says what happened was is he went in there, tried to hold his breath, mm -hmm. and then he took a big whiff, and then he and then he kind of he just went out. And when he went out, he just smacked his face uh, or gotcha. his mouth right on the concrete. And so he cut his lip open. And that's mm -hmm. what it was. I thought you know, all of us, we were thinking like blood was coming out of his lungs. Because of the fucking, yeah. See, yeah, uh, that's what we were thinking. My mind would have gone to like, okay, they fucked him up because our drill sergeants told us like, you know, 
you come at us, we're going to fuck you up. And um, they yeah. had like bars on the windows already because uh, motherfuckers would try to run and jump through the windows to get out of there. So yeah. that I mean, that the CS, the gas chamber is definitely one of those experiences that that's as closest to death you might get before fucking dying. You know what I mean? It's one uh. of the. And but it's there to build that trust with that fucking mask, you know. And we're running out of time here for the first segment. The next segment, we're gonna go ahead and um and talk about getting to the unit and deploying. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but it, that one should be a little bit easier because um my daughter she knows the rules now, so I could actually trust in her to not fucking scare <laughs> people too much. But dude, I mean, it's really great catching up here with you because honestly, this is more than a catch up. It's more of a getting to know you as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so those that, that don't know, just to set it up a little bit before we get on. Uh, when we t- once we start talking about the uh, the life in the barracks, because that's where you stayed. I was in the barracks, right? Yeah, two, yeah, two seven so, seven. Yep, we're gonna go ahead and uh, I want to go ahead and start dabbling a little bit into and in picking your uh, political brain. How you know okay. how you got involved in that, and did that have anything to do with your military experience while you were there as well? But obviously, we're gonna talk about the deployment. We're gonna talk about um deployment uh who you hung out with you know what did you do on the weekends other than try to go see ron paul in uniform genius <laughs> we're gonna talk about that one too um <laughs> so but i mean um all of this is is lighthearted because believe it or not uh, at the end of the day campos is still my brother from another mother because we serve together my brother in arms and yeah. um even if we don't see eye to eye politically which I'm sure there are some things that we're not going to uh, agree with. But, you know, that's the beautiful thing about being on the gun line. You have these conversations like this, how it was out in the field, you know. So with that being said, I got about 59 seconds. Uh, give me some time. It's going to take about 10 minutes to send you that link, fool. So uh, right now it's 7.02. So at about 7.15, we'll catch back up. We are Sound back like here All with right. the story of Campos, right. man. All right. So when we left off, we were talking about fucking basic training. Now we're going to go ahead and move over to the unit. Once you got to now, you only served in two seven seven. Is that correct, or were you there for the change over to uh five eight two? Uh, just two seven seven. Okay, cool shit. Um, so tell me about it, man. What was your experience when you first got to the Fort Hood, and um, what were you thinking like so, it was gonna be like? So I got I had that uh, uh in house or in town recruiting thing. Okay. To help out with the recruits after when I left basic, I got another week off of leave. And so the reason why I mentioned that is because of, because then when I got to the unit, I got to the unit like two a week and a half, two weeks after all these other guys who I went to basic with who went to Fort Hood. Because um, like I said, there was probably about, in the battery, on the entire battery, I just remember there was probably about at least good 20 guys I remember seeing oh, um, that came from, yeah. Um, I remember when they were calling, calling everybody out on duty station, there's Fort Hood probably got the majority. Right. Um, when we were at basic. So when I got there, you know, I got greeted by a lot of people. And so it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but, um, uh, got to first replacement or whatever you call it. And then they put us in the unit and then it was just basically just, I just kept my mouth shut and just, you know, talk to the guys I knew and started to get to know new people. And yeah. Who was your chief? At first it was Sergeant Martinez. Okay. Then, then it permanently became Sergeant Griffin. Oh. Okay. Then, of course, and then of course, when they put us in, uh, was it PSD? Then it was a uh, Gunny Hopper or Smoke Hopper. Okay. Right on. Good yeah. shit. How was um? How did how did um? So once you got to to basic, um, who who did you hang around with? 
Well, I got to the unit. Um, well, France was my battle buddy, my roommate, okay. and I already do France from uh, basic training. So right. at the beginning, I talked to France, hung out with France, and then and then just started to get to know people. And then over time, uh, I started hanging out with uh, as more people started coming in because remember when I got there, they just formed, they just reopened the two seven seven. Like there was a whole bunch of these guys that came from three sixteen. Um, and so it was like everybody, everybody was new. Like we were new for basic training. You had, uh, all these NCOs that were coming from all over wherever, whatever base they are coming from to the unit, everything, everybody and everything was new. Um, even smoke Watley or smoke Watley, he just left being a drill sergeant. Right. Um, yeah. And he got there. And so like everything was new for everybody. Right. And, um, so yeah, I just started getting to know people and as people trickled in, like, uh, you guys and some of the other guys that came from uh, from Fort Sill there, I started getting to know people. But probably, I probably primarily hung out with um, people like Dickerson and Pelfy. Okay. Um, uh, Wheeler, right before we started going we went to Iraq, the I hung Wheeler. out with Wheeler. Yeah. I, I really started helping. Well, I'm not going to get in that, but um, yeah, Wheeler and yeah. Hey, you might be hearing some people in the background. I, I don't. I don't hear anything. Let me make sure my daughter's still okay. Give me one second. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Fuck, man. I hate that. I hate getting fucking uh, interrupted like this. But um, okay. So I'm back. She just scared a whole group of fucking kids, and um, I I just want to make sure she wasn't getting beat up. So all right, fucking Wheeler, man. One thing I remember about Wheeler was um, were you on the bus with us when we were uh when we were going uh, when we were manifesting to go to uh to Iraq? Were you in the bus? I had I I had with... to have been I had to have been because we were all he was in my. Okay. Going to Iraq. Okay. So when we were in the bus going to Iraq, we we're all quiet, letting that shit uh we we're about to hit the we were just leaving the the gym and we we're taking off, headed out to the to the airport uh to catch yeah. a flight. Yeah. And everybody's all quiet and just you know letting it sink in, like, oh shit, we're about to deploy, we're about to be wheels up. And out of nowhere, like I was sitting there thinking next to Kowalczyk, and um out of nowhere, you just hear and that's the motherfuckers that fuck animals. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Wheeler? And even to this day, man, Kowalczyk and I, we start laughing like, what the fuck was Wheeler talking about? Fucking animals? I, I, fucking pigs? I, 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 I actually, I know what he's talking about. I don't know. I don't know if you want me to say it because it's about another yeah, soldier. That's fine. Okay. So you remember uh, 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 Wheeler got in trouble. Cause he was living off post and then they made him live in barracks. Right. So then um, it was me and Pelfi in run room. And then the room next door to us was uh, it was Becerra and Krieger. Krieger got married, I think. Okay. He moved off post. And so then when Wheeler got in trouble, they made Wheeler live with Becerra. And okay. um, he was going through, uh, uh, we, Becerra was gone and Wheeler was going through porn mags and found a, uh, cd with 
that stuff in it of the <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I won't go in more I won't so, go in more detail, but that's as far yeah. So there was a fucking so um allegedly there was a, a CD that may or may not have had some porn that involved the um the humans. Yeah. I they I the non-human kind. I got you. Wow. Well there oh there's humans from what Dweeler said, there's humans involved, but uh, yeah, but also with yeah. some, some bestiality type shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever floats your boat, baby. I get called weird because yeah. I like looking at toes. So yeah. I, I it's not a fetish, by the way. I, I just like cute feet, god damn it. Dude, that's fucking cr- thank you for c- uh, clearing that one up. Yeah. We, that was definitely yeah. something I that think, we- and I, I and I think he was telling Walker. That's who I think he was. He was telling Walker. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. I remember that. Yeah, dude. Like, everybody's just in there. Like, you know, we're getting in the zone. We're getting ready. And out of nowhere, there was people fucking animals. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Where did that come from? Oh, Wheeler, man. That boy was something. He was one country-ass motherfucker, man. I yeah. hope he's doing well out there. Shit, man. Well, let's talk about um, let's talk about a little bit on on primarily why you're here as well um okay how did you become politically active because you were starting already devil in politics during that time right um so i've always been a student of history um but not really necessarily in politics like i'd hear about it as a kid and growing up to me when i looked at politics growing up as a kid i was like that that you got to be rich and smart for that stuff mm-hmm. which is which is a fallacy by the way um but I've always been in the history, so that's kind of why I had a little bit of a better understanding or faster understanding like compared to other people. But what got me into it was basically our experience in our Iraq, just you know, basically seeing that how much oil is involved in it, how much mm-hmm. money these defense contractors make, mm-hmm. um, companies like Halliburton, like KBR, Raytheon, and North. Oh, Bremen. so this was uh, uh, during and after the deployment is when you started getting yeah. more active into it. Then, yeah. Okay, yeah. so let, let's get let's talk a little bit about the deployment uh, before okay. we jump into it then. So while we were out there, our mission was primarily fucking PSDs, like, you know, private security or something like that detachment yeah. or personal security detachment. Yeah. And also, you know, we did a lot of um. so for those that don't know, we did a lot of fucking just convoys all over the fucking place. And when, when you find out that you're just fucking transporting toilet paper to Alhilla and possibly getting blown up for it it kind of opens your mind like what the fuck are we doing out here you know what i mean so i mean you guys were were out there and i remember palfy he had found an ied off of irish right see multiple times multiple times yeah palfy um me and palfy were in basic together i love palfy like that motherfucker will always have a a place in my heart no matter what but um yeah, dude. So tell me a bit about your deployment. Like, tell tell the folks out there like your experience. What was your deployment like? Because everybody has a different deployment, you know, or a different experience. And one thing a lot of people don't understand is like it's not like they show in the TV or in the movies where you're constantly in fucking firefights or yeah. constantly getting blown up. You know, it's a threat. There it is. But um, there's a lot of folks that they don't understand. At least for me, my experience has been that. War was 95% boredom and then 5% shit show, like, oh, fuck, yeah. you know, yeah, craziness. So um, a lot of fools that have podcasts and stuff like that, they're, they're like, you know, SF people or Rangers and all this shit. Us, we're just regular Joes, yo. You know, we, we are the the rest of the crew. So what was your experience like? Well, you know, I remember, of course, the majority of our missions were out Irish back and mm-hmm. forth from the green zone to biop. 
Um, so that was the majority of our missions. And um, yeah, Pal I was the lead gunner and Palfi was my driver and we are four one. And okay. uh yeah, there was a few times that uh it was me, him, or Sergeant Borison, we found some IEDs on Drive Irish. Um there was one time we I think it was a what they call do you remember? I think it was called Night Sweep. We did a night sweep. Yeah. When and we were on and, QRF, we had to go yeah. and um and, and clear route Irish for the rhino buses. So we found, I think, two that night, two IEDs in two different locations. Damn. And then when we left that night, one of the exits that we drove past, I guess whoever was out there must have put another IED after we left because then we heard that another unit got hit by it. Well, like like an hour, an hour or two hours later. Yeah, Rod Irish was hot, bro. Yeah. And then I remember and then there was that time when on, on the way back to Route Irish, um, Gunny Hopper. So the third yeah. vehicle, boom, right in front, a bullet right in his window. <laughs> I remember that, dude. I remember you could see yeah. the fucking, the slug where it hit and it just like yep. right into his fucking, like that sniper was aiming for his face. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I do remember that shit, bro. I mean, it was a, it was a trip, you know, we were out there for a full fucking year and you know, hindsight, it, it flew by. Like when I think about it, because I mean, yeah. When I think about it, I lived two and a half years in combat zones, you know, once in one year in Baghdad, one year in Mosul, and then um, another one in um, in Afghanistan. And, uh, dude, I think my Mosul one was the worst because uh, I didn't think I was coming back from that one. But, I mean, fucking that first deployment that we were on, we were all green cherry, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking fresh privates. Uh, one of the biggest things that stuck with me was when they gave us the little pills. Um, little pill box that um, yeah. and I asked Sergeant Juarez because he was my chief, and um, I asked him like, "What are these for?" He's like, "Oh, that's for when you get shot. It'll help you with the bleeding." And I'm like, "Oh, well, oh, okay, not if I get." You know, I'm, so I told him, "You mean if we get shot, right?" But being that I was the gunner and the lead gunner, yeah, the expectancy was for me to fucking get blown up. Like you know, it was fifty fifty. Well, I, like it was a high expectation for me to die. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's fucking crazy, dude. Like. Uh-oh. Uh, anyways, so yeah, dude, fucking crazy, dude, fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, and it, it was a trip scene because we did have a lot of people that were from Halliburton that were contractors, yeah. and they were banking it, bro. But but the thing is, is when you politically, when you look in, into it, I mean, that's nothing compared to like what these executives are getting paid, the shareholders are getting paid, um, and then just to see the amount of money. I'm sure you remember that the amount of money that they would waste over there and they would only waste it because it's at taxpayer expense. Did you ever have to, did you ever have to do any of the bank runs? Uh, I think we did one. I don't know. I don't go ahead. No, I'm just thinking, I'm remembering. I remember um, we had a, a bird flying to buy up and we had to secure the money from the bird and take it to the uh, central bank in Baghdad, bro. Think I think we did that one time. Holy fuck! When you see all these bricks of just cash, and they're yeah. talking about pallets of cash, bro, and you're holding it, and you're like, "This is how much money here?" You know, and hold on, what's up, man? Yeah, are you done? Check the check if there's any um candy left inside the. The, the little creature thing. You know, the, the scarecrow. See, in, inside his pot hand, 
see if there's any candy in there. Well, just check anyway, please. All right, thank you. Huh? You, you need me to take your stuff off? All right, come here. So, anyways, so y'all know that this is like fucking shit from home. Come here. All right, so. All right, so sorry about this, y'all. Are you done scaring people for the night then? Yeah. All right, so are you going to be the trick-or-treater now? No. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Say hi to to the peoples. Say happy Halloween. Hello, people from the far, Sit far there, corners look of at the world. Look in here. No. Oh, well, there she is. That's Campos. Say hello. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Campos? No. Get out of here. Anyway, so that's uh my my oldest. That's Emily. That's uh hey, close my door, fool. She's a uh, Kowalczyk's fucking uh god. Kowalczyk is her godfather. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude, me and Kowalczyk, we've stayed in touch since, you know what I mean? And Moya, like, I, I'm glad that we have this because it, it helps us keep in touch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and we're, you're definitely one of those dudes that we've always wondered, like, whatever happened to Campos? You know, and we're like, Campos, was he that weird dude? Yeah, he was that weird dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and it, again, there's no shade, no hate. You know what I'm saying? All oh, of yeah, us, yeah. you know, we were all like, I'll give you a weird ass motherfucker. Stuck. That oh, motherfucker yeah. was weird. But anywho, um, yeah, so back to the money we would do the money runs bro and so yeah. we we had to take all these millions and millions and millions of dollars and who knows where the fuck it went you know like well it, it went to uh, you know to the pockets of the politicians out there yeah so that, that that's that's when your eyes started opening or i mean just through just throughout the entire deployment just seeing all the involvement of just how much money's involved and then the oil um, it's just, you know, and just, just, and then coming back and then once you, and then, and then, uh, cause when I came back, that's when I got my computer and I, my very first computer and mm -hmm. I started to do research and, you know, read a lot. And so, yeah, it was multiple things. So what piqued your interest, for example, like, um, cause you were a big Ron Paul supporter, right? Yeah. So, uh, how did that so, turn about? So when we came back, that was. We came back December of 06. And so then in 07, after about two, three weeks, this is when two, three months in 07, that's when a lot of these uh, politicians who wanted to run for president started announcing for the mm -hmm. 2008 election. And it was, you know, of course, the biggest, what was the number one issue at the time? Iraq. That was the number one issue. And so after coming back and I got my computer, I started doing a lot of reading. I started doing a lot of research, uh, especially in the history, um, you know. I kind of started waking up to a lot of things, but then what really piqued my interest in Ron Paul is like in the very first debate. And then also hearing, hearing other podcast or radio hosts talk mm -hmm. about, Oh, you got to hear about Ron Paul. You got to hear about Ron Paul. And then just doing research on him, just knowing that he's consistent. So, I mean, he's been in, he's been in Congress since the seventies. Mm -hmm. completely, completely consistent. They call him Dr. No. Dr. No. On, no. Yeah. They cut, they, he votes no on almost everything, but the reason why he votes no on everything is because if it's not constitutional. I'm not voting for it. Right. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's supposed to be about. You know, you have to, you know, every member of Congress swears an oath, just like we did. And if there's anything that gets put on the floor of Congress that is outside of that, you should be voting no against it. Mm hmm. 100%. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really sad that he's the only that, you know, during that, during those time periods that he's the only one that, that stood up like that. And so when he was running, he was just talking about so much stuff that 
I was learning, but there's so much stuff I agreed with. And then, and then the things I was learning about like the federal reserve and mm-hmm. central banking and money and all that stuff, it started to get me to start going, uh, looking into it and do start doing my research. You know, what's crazy is how, how they um, made him look like he was a fool. You know what I mean? And they hijacked, they hijacked the fucking tea party from him. Cause the tea party oh, came yeah. from him. It was all yep. Ron Paul. And then what does the fucking right wing do? Oh, thanks, Ron Paul, you crazy motherfucker. And then they 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 just yep. stole it away from him. And everything that it was supposed to be was pretty much fucking whitewashed or something. It was just taken away, yeah. dude. I, and it sucks. And we should have listened to you back then, bro. Um, and, you know, you were big into Alex Jones, too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how I found out about Ron Paul. Was See, Alex and, Jones. and trust me, I'm a big conspiracy guy. Conspiracy yeah. theory. Oh, yeah. I, I became one because in, in Iraq, we had the Haji shop. And they used to sell the videos there, right? And yeah. I remember there was a movie, bro. There was a fucking movie because, believe it or not, Kowalczyk was into fucking um into conspiracy. Yeah. So he he was big into Alex Jones, and he was like, "Man, you got to see Prison Planet, and you got to see this and that." And I started. So long story short, um, I picked up a movie. I thought it was Flight ninety seven or something like that. Like it was one yeah. of those movies from Haji Shop, and I put it in. And no, it was a fucking conspiracy theory fucking um movie. And yeah. it was talking about all like the insider jobs of 9-11 and this. And I'm like, it just started opening my fucking eyes up, bro. Now, I'm not going to say. I'm going to say this. I have more questions than um than sh- assurance that it wasn't an inside job. Yeah. You know, for for not what happened in 9-11, because there's no way in hell to this date that you will convince me that an airplane struck the Pentagon. It's just not going to fucking happen, bro. I've seen that video a thousand fucking times of, uh, you know, the the yeah. video of the plane, quote unquote, striking the fucking yeah. the Pentagon. There's yeah. no way in hell yeah. that there's an airplane there at all, bro. Yeah, and then you have Building 7. That's the other big one for me. Oh, yeah, the one that got fucking pulled? Yeah. So, yeah, okay, sorry. I, I ran off on a tangent there. So, continue. So, uh, Ron Paul, and he came to visit to the Fort Hood area. Is that what happened? So, um, he went to... One, once I started really getting involved with this stuff, um, it was like, I remember, May of 2007. And mm-hmm. so then um, he had... His, it was actually his very first uh, political fundraiser at the uh, Texas History in Austin. Okay. And so then I went I went down there and of course in uniform. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to do that, but I uh, went down there and but but the cool thing was the band they treated I, everybody treated me like a rock star. Um and, and of course I told everybody I just came back from Iraq and and you got to remember that was the number one issue at the time. You know. However, comma. Let, let let's let's put this out there as well. Not only did he show yeah. up in uniform to a political rally. He was filmed all right, in uniform. So there's pictures of you, or uh, I don't know if it was on CNN or something, where you're in uniform, and we're like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! But I mean, yeah, lesson learned. You know, it was just dumb yeah. shit that you do. And but like you said, you know, hindsight being 2020 again, Iraq was pointless. It really was pointless. You know, would I still yeah. do it again, knowing what I know? Yes. Because I will not trade all the experiences that I had, which formed me into who I am now. I'm, 
I mean, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, like the stuff that we're talking about right now, I wouldn't know this stuff if it wasn't for that experience. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, so that shaped your, pol your political views on that. Um, tell me about, um, so once you got back, you got out in 07 from active duty then, right? Yeah. So October of 07, I got out and then I got a job in the oil field. Mm. And, um, and so then I ended up having to move like west of Fort Worth. And I was working in the oil field up there, and and then I made even more friends through because okay. I got heavily involved. Once I, I mean, even before I got up, especially once I got out, I got heavily involved in the campaign. Oh yeah. Um, and so with that, yeah. And so with that said, I mean, I met all kinds of people all over Texas, um, and it was a beautiful thing because just you know, like because you get to actually meet people who you can actually agree with, whereas like the main, the majority of people who's watching. Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, their minds are just trapped into that. And then exactly. all these people, yeah. And so then you're, you're meeting all these people who actually have did the reading, did the research, actually understand what's going on, why we need to stop the things that we do, what's wrong with our country. And so just the fact that I got to meet with all these people all over the state and even elsewhere, it was, it was awesome. That's great, man. I mean, honestly, I think, uh, where, where do you live at now? Oh, you're I still in, in, in uh, you're in Nebraska now, right? Yeah, I, I, Iowa, next to Nebraska. Iowa, okay, okay, that's where you're at now, though. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, because fuck, I mean, I think it's pretty cool how you know you stayed involved in it, you stayed true to your nature. As far as fucking, um, I do agree with you as far as motherfuckers that watch Fox News, MSNBC. Ninety percent of them, I would say, already have their mind made up, and yeah. they're not. They're just getting on. They just want to talk to people to argue with them, yeah. Versus you know having a discussion because. Usually a debate, what I've realized, it, it people already have their minds made up. You're just trying to convince the other people that are watching. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yep. um, when I talk with people, I already know, like, you know, for example, I'll bring out Hunt. Hunt already has a point of view that he's stuck on and that he's not going to change. You, no matter how much, you know, I try to I try to discuss it with him and vice versa. He knows that I'm you know, I have my point of view. So when we discuss things, it's not to convince each other of our yeah. point of views is to open the eyes of those that are listening, if that makes sense, yeah. you know? Because, I mean, if not, yeah. all, what it turns into is just a shit show where everybody's just, it goes from starting civil and then it turns into like, oh, you're a retard or you're fucking stupid or you're, uh, you know, I mean, both wings are on the same fucking bird and it's taking a huge yeah. shit on yeah. us at the end of the and, day. And that's, yeah. And what so do when you I think? usually go, go ahead. ahead. No, you got to go ahead. Uh, you're gonna ask me what do I think about? Oh, I was gonna say, what do you think about you know why there is no third party within our system? Oh, oh I get. I'll try to cut that out. I'll try to cut that as short as I can because I go all day with that. Here's what it comes down to. Uh, there's unlimited. I don't, are you, I don't know if you're familiar with the 2010 uh, Supreme Court case, Citizens United. Mm -mm. Okay, uh, so the Supreme Court ruled, and it even goes before further but that's the most recent one okay basically they ruled that corporations or artificial entities have the first amendment right or free speech which means they can unlimitedly get involved and fund campaigns mm -hmm. okay so as long as that exists we're going to have a two-party system because what's going to happen is the special interests are always going to consolidate on one side and mm -hmm. the special interest of money is going to consolidate to the other side and so we're, we're never until we until we have a constitutional amendment that defines what corporate personhood is mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And when I say corporate personhood, I'm talking about artificial entities, whether that be unions, corporations, business corporations, nonprofits, anything that's an artificial entity. We need a constitutional amendment to define that the uh, uh, Bill of Rights is only there for human beings, not for them, because they're not human beings. So therefore, their rights are not inherent or unalienable, like it says in the uh, Declaration of Independence, because they're not a creation of nature. They're not a creation of God. They're a creation of man. They're a creation of the state. And so as long as you have the ability, as long as they exist and have the ability to unlimitedly fund campaigns, we are always going to have this two-party system. You know, and and I think that's one of the biggest fucking detractions or not detractions. That's one of the biggest fuck-ups that we have within our country is just this two-party system because it's always... Like South Park said it, man. It's a giant douche or a turd sandwich, yeah. and, you know. And then here's, and then here's something else with that. When you look at the political system that we live in, so when you have all this money consolidated into two parties, that creates a career structure or career yes. path for people to get involved in politics and to be involved. And that's why people like Ron Paul or people like currently like Robert Kennedy. Are, are they're never going to get any uh, traction from the media. They're always going to be looked down upon by the establishment of their own party because because they're outside of that establishment. They're outside of that career path. Mm. Um, just like a good example is I don't know if you how much you know about the military industrial complex. But, I've um, actually wanted to talk about that so much, okay. bro. So um, explain to the people what is the military industrial complex because it was brought up by Eisenhower, wasn't it? Yes. So okay. the military industrial complex actually existed before that, but Eisenhower in his speech created that face. He coined it. Okay. Uh, if, we, if For those of you who don't know too much about history, he was the uh, uh, Allied Commander General in, in the European uh, European theater then became our president. So him just being a general, he understood just firsthand the influence of, of corporate power within, um, you know, funding um, for, you know, lobbying government funding for arms right but the, the the if there's one book i have a book right here i recommend it there's one book i strongly recommend people read it's called war is a racket by general smedley butler okay um he is a uh world war one veteran has two congressional medals of honor two oh, of them yeah he's one of the most highest highest decorated uh service members in u.s history mm. he wrote this book it's not that small uh it's called war is a racket because he talks about how much money is made off war mm-hmm. um and, and it's ridiculous and it's ridiculous and even companies that are not directly involved into the military industrial complex will make money like for example coca-cola gatorade um uh under armor um the, the, anybody that's providing you know any kind of t- uh, kind of supply to the military they're going to make big bucks off of it and so there's a there is a in- incentive for these people to pay for for to pay for lobbyists or the lobby themselves, Congress for us to have perpetual war. Mm. There is an economic incentive to have that. If you've noticed since World War II, we basically been in a war every twenty every 15, 20 years we're in a war. Because there is an economic incentive to to have this because there's money and power to be made. You know, uh I believe that we know we should have like a warrior class within uh within our country. And um, because, you know, I'm just that type of motherfucker, you know, send me, you know, I'm the one, but send me for something that is going to be valid. You know, I get it. When we sign up, we sign up to go wherever the fuck they send us. It is what it is. You know, I I, I wanted to go to Iraq. 
because that's just what I wanted to do. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to blow shit up. I wanted to kill motherfuckers. That's what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to join and then be like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, I don't want to go. Nah, that ain't me, chief. But um, with that, what I've learned from is they, I, I've been called an isolationist for this. But I believe, uh, me go ahead. I believe that, you know, we should worry about us, you know. But no, we got to worry about our allies. We got to worry about, for example, what's going on with Ukraine right now. You know, that's, yeah. fuck and that. I hate the fact that motherfuckers are saying something along the lines of, um, oh, well, you know, we're trying to stop the Russians over there so that it doesn't come over here. Well, Ukraine that's, is not just one fucking country. It's one country, but it's attached yeah. to the rest of fucking Europe. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. by, and by the time they get done with that, I mean, they got across this huge thing called the ocean. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So let's be realistic. We're just having a proxy war. It's kind of like the whole Iran yeah. Contra all over again. And um, I mean, I'm not well versed in it, but I kind of put the two together, you know. Well, well, and, and something you talk you want to bring up military industrial complex. I mean, right now, even though we're not, you talk about proxy war, you know, we're giving them arms. We're also giving mm -hmm. them up to date arms, and so there's a lot of arms that are, that we have new stuff that's being tested right now, that that our generals and you know our military is looking at, and you know they they love to see that uh, war happening so that. These new, you know, artillery shells, new planes, whatever that's new is mm -hmm. being tested on the battleground right now. Bro, I tripped out because when I heard that we're going to give the Ukrainians artillery, you know, uh, pieces, I figured, okay, they'll probably give them like the one nine or eight because that's yeah. the old generation, right? Yeah. Or, you know, we'll give them some self propelled hobbits or some uh, Alpha sixes or something, you know, some Alpha fives. No, nah, these motherfuckers are getting triple sevens, bro. Oh, yeah. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. wait a minute. That's our technology that they're getting. That's our new shit. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. sure they got more advanced, but still, bro, yeah. where are we? And then I love the whole like, oh, it's a loan. These motherfuckers ain't ever going to pay us back. You no. know, all it is, we're being an imperialistic fucking uh, yeah. a country. We're just, yeah, you know how they're going to pay us back? We're going to go ahead and build a fucking um, a base around there. Yeah. That, there that's why they're going to pay us. Um. Something I want to interject in is because uh, I've been called multiple times isolationist, and a term that I like to use when people say that is I say, "Well, I'm not an isolationist; I'm a non-interventionist." There's a mm -hmm. difference because I want—I'm not isolating. I, I want trade. I want peace. I want trade with people. I want us to, you know, trade with nations. I want even the bad nations because when we trade with them and we influence them, some of our culture, you know what? Some of that bad stuff starts going away. Exactly. And so I want peace and trade for with everybody. So I'm not an isolationist. I'm a non-interventionist. We're just a big fucking bully, bro. At the end of the day, we yeah. want to, we're the big bullies, you know, and I get, I love America. I love it. I love my country. I hate my government, but I love oh, my yeah. fucking country, you know, <laughs> and there's so much stuff here. The only thing that sucks, you know why it sucks buying shit made in America? Cause it costs a nut and a half, bro. You know, yeah. no matter how much I try to support, but it costs a nut and a half, you know, when, well, another thing is, you know, we, this whole China shit, you know, we, we talk so much shit about China, yet we're borrowing our money from them. Yeah. yeah. You know, as, as people say, make it make sense, bro. It's so fucking stupid. And it bugs me. Now we got this whole thing going on with Israel, you know? And uh, apparently, if you're pro-Palestine, you're an anti-Semite. No, yeah. I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm not Islamophobic. You know, I just think that the Palestinians, they it used to be their fucking country. Everybody used to live there yeah. happily. 
Palestinians, yeah. Muslims, Christians, all of them lived there happily. And yeah. then all of a sudden they were like, uh, yeah, now nah, you guys go here in this little strip of land. It's an open air fucking prison. We'll call it, you know, the Gaza Strip. And y'all are the motherfuckers will be here um, on the West Bank of the Jordan. Y'all stay right there. And uh, we're going to have our thumb over your asses. Yeah. You know, I'm not justifying any kind of motherfucking violence towards fucking uh, civilians at all. Absolutely. However, comma, there comes a point in time where motherfuckers are going to revolt and rebel. Yeah. You know, and, and that. Yeah. It's uh, well, I, go ahead. And the, I mean, the unfortunate thing is that there's a big biasness with our mainstream media because mm -hmm. there's a big, you can tell even now they report with all the stuff that's going on right now, they report it way differently. So like, for example, anytime when there's a couple of Israeli deaths, they'll report it as Israeli deaths. Mm -hmm. And then when, let's say, uh, uh, like the other day, 50 Palestinians got killed. And they reported as oh, 50 civilians were, were uh, killed by a bomb that dropped. Right. So it's like, okay, why can't you treat it the same way? Why can't you identify that 50 Palestinians were killed by a bomb that was dropped by the Israelis? But then when, when it happens with the Palestinians, you want to report it that, oh, they killed 10 Israelis, civilians right. who died. Big, a huge bias. Right. And again, I mean, um, look, I'm not justifying any kind of civilian or hostage taking or anything of that sort. You know, I think that war should be done by two warring factions and try to minimize the collateral damage as much as possible. You know, oh, yeah. but if you look at Gaza, you know, it's bro. I mean, it. I think of it as almost like um, what's that stupid movie with that fine ass bitch with the bow and arrow? Um, the Hunger Games, bro. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's almost like that, man. I mean, it's just horrible living. I mean. They live on. They live. There's a wall. They're they're surrounded and encapsulated into a wall. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it used to be open territory for everyone until they made it an yeah. Israeli state, right? You know, why is it that you and I can have conversations like this, but other people can't seem to have these conversations yeah. without you know? Is it because you know we're not we don't have any special interest in it? Because America's biggest interest is you know having a place to launch attacks from in the middle east yeah so that's my thought at least well i mean it, it's it's a little it's slightly complicated slightly i don't think it's really too com when you really look into it it's not too complicated i mean uh i'll give you another recommendation um i think this is probably one of the uh best non-biased uh documentaries out there it's by pbs it's called okay 1913 seeds of conflict it, okay. it basically talks about how What's going on right now between the Palestinians and, and the Israelis, how it all started. Okay. Uh, I recommend that strongly to people who want to know uh, more about this or or just how it all started. But um, Yeah, I've been doing but, a lot of my research on YouTube, honestly. Yeah, and, and that's, to me, that's fair. It's from PBS. You know, they're pretty mainstream, mm -hmm. and I've seen it myself. It's, it's very fair. They're not picking sides. They just talk about the history. Uh, they right. don't get any conspiracy theories. Uh, they just talk about the history, but it's very important to understand that because, again, you know, I'm not picking sides, but I will say that I do have a little bit of my sympathies for the Palestinians because these are people who've been been there and lived there for hundreds of years. And then you have another group of people who just came in and now just taking things over and, they, and they're going to continue to take things. They're going to their goal. The Zionist goal is to I mean, 
I forgot the the map, but it's it's big. With the state of Israel now, it's bigger than that. That's their Zionist goal. Yeah, I mean it, it's fucking it's fucking crazy. You guys need to see uh, anything like what he's saying right now, like that seeds shit that he just put up there. Make sure y'all check that out because I'm telling you, I went on YouTube and just started looking up what why is there conflict, and then when I started seeing this whole like migration, of course, okay, let the Jews come to the Holy Land. Got it. You know, yes. Um, biblically, biblically, you know, it's uh, Israel, right? Fine, got it. But then, why was it that they were all living in peace up until you know there was this huge migration, and then motherfuckers were like, "Oh, yeah, y'all belong here. Get away from us here. This is our holy land." You know, but yet, you know, our whole world is based like that. Because look what happened with the Indians. You put it up there on the Facebook as well. You know what I'm saying? Palfi had put it up yeah. there. And it's the truth, bro. All right, we got one minute left. Um, We're going to go ahead and cut out right now, and then I'll shoot you the next link. And then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that one. We're going to continue talking uh, with the politics, because I, I dig this conversation. Right, if once it's again, cool thank y'all for dealing with the quick pause on your end. For us, it's been 10 minutes. But um, check it out. So we just, we've done, we done a little bit of talking about, you know, his pre-military we did some talking about the deployment and how he started dabbling into the politics and stuff like that. We talked about the military industrial complex, um, which I, I get, but I don't get, you know what I'm saying? Um, but now uh, I open it up to you, man. Like what, what is on Campos's mind? Oh, let, let me, before we get there. Uh, so you did, um, you did active duty. Then you went to national guard, right? Yeah. Did you stay in, um, in your MOS as national guard? Yeah, I had to. So, oh. uh, quick. So after after um, active went working the oil field, then the recession hit. Mm-hmm. Moved back to moved back home up here while the recession was going on. Went to school, uh, finished school, uh, got my uh, associates, and I got my bachelor's all in accounting. And then I was going to work on a master's degree. And then I actually it was an ROTC at Creighton University for three months. Um, and then I ended up dropping that because they wanted, because it was just, I couldn't, if I was working on a bachelor's degree and then ROTC, I could do it, but mm-hmm. on a master's level, no way, no way. And so I ended up dropping out of that, uh, my third semester. And so then, then I went into the guard because they gave me, they helped out pay some of my, um, debt off. And so I did that for five years. But the thing is there was, I was going to do 11 Charlie mortars because that's mm-hmm. in the town I live in. Okay, but then my recruiter gets back to me and he says, "Well, if you want the army to pay your some of your uh, uh, debt off, you need to stay with your MOS." So I'm like, "Okay, so where's that at?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "It's in a town called Esterville, Iowa." Well, where's that at? And he said, "Well, just take, put the bottom left tip of a triangle and the uh, the right tip of the triangle of Des Moines. Put that on Des Moines and on Council Bluffs, and then the top of it is <laughs> Esterville." So we're talking three and a half hours away. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that was the drive I had to make there and back once a month. Now, uh, what do you guys normally do on it? Like um, so in, basically in, in National drill. Guard? So it's basically called drill. So then every you know month you go out there, um, you either get there Friday night or you get there Saturday morning. Um, and then you have drill all day Saturday, drill all day Sunday. Sometimes you're learning stuff on the gun. Sometimes they have you do other stuff like you're doing your medical stuff for that weekend. They have you do that. Sometimes they'll have you 
do some kind of training. Sometimes it might be a special three day training and they'll send you out to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. You got to do the, go out the firing range, stuff like that. Hmm. So like you're doing something. Um, and then of course in the summertime, there's two weeks, there's two full weeks. And that's basically like your, that's your annual training. That's basically going out the field, okay. which I hate that, but <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Uh, well, I always hated the field. I always tell people I'd, I'd rather go back to Iraq for two weeks and go out the field. I hate it. <laughs> two weeks, no shower. Hate it. Bro, I mean, it, well, it's kind of in the, the MOS that we chose. You know, it's field artillery. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. So that's crazy, man. Um, So you did all that time. You got out, you know. Um, have you had any, uh, when you got out, as you transitioned out to the civilian sector, um, were there anything that, was there anything that you brought with you from the military that, helped you uh in the civilian sector and mainly i asked because i mean you you went fresh out of fucking high school then right into the military so you yeah. didn't have any civilian uh work experience i mean just look like busting tables and then uh working at fast food that's right. about it so i mean um were there any experiences that you had uh coming out of the military and going into the civilian sector finding yourself like a fish out of water or did you have like a smooth transition back in so one thing I'm going to say is working in the oil field, if I didn't, if I wasn't in the army active duty before going to the oil field, there's no way I would have been able to do that. Hmm. Um, you're working. Oh my goodness. Uh, you're working 80, 80 hours a week. Um, getting paid hourly. Oh, shit. and it's some, it's some, it is some hard ass labor. And if I didn't have the discipline and the, and the, and the, uh, drive and also the, um, um, uh, strength, that I got from the army, I don't think I would have done it because it's, it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of work, man. That's what I've heard. I've heard that, you know, a lot of cats, you know, they come out and it, well, when it, back then, cause the oil field was booming, uh, you know, they would go to the patch and, um, make bank like mother motherfuckers that were living like in different States would fly in yep. and then to go work like two, three weeks and then fly back home and be off for like a week or two. You know, that's just yep. how much they were banking, bro. That's yeah. fucking, that's awesome. But uh, like yeah. you said, it's rough ass fucking work though too. Yeah, yeah. I and the it. thing is, is I did I did it in 07, and then I did it again in two thousand eight, eighteen to two thousand nineteen. Mm -hmm. And because of the technology changing, it's actually even more work now than it was back then. Oh, word! Because now, now because they because now they got the technology where they can hook more frack pumps up to a well, whereas before they didn't. And so it's just even more work on the oil hands. It looks like the guys that do the easiest job are the truck drivers, bro. All they do is just sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And then just drive from yeah. point A to point B. I mean, I, I couldn't see myself doubting. I know Dowden uh did oil field work for a while. Um, out in Oklahoma. So um, you know, he but now you know he does his own thing. Now he ended up quitting the oil field because it was starting to slow down. Like with everything, you know, it has its booms. So yeah, dude. So tell me, um, what do you do now? Like, I mean, how, how do you, well, I mean, again, it doesn't seem like you had any, uh, too much trouble transitioning back to the civilian sector. You know, um, how did you feel being that old going back to school? How was that? Was that any, was there any like, um, or was I, I it online? Um, it was 50, 50. I really wasn't too old. I mean, I was still in my twenties. Um, I probably felt more old going into the guard. Mm. than i did because i was a uh specialist and then i then my final rank was corporal um okay and so like when i went so 
when I was new to the unit, you know, I'm with guys that are like, you know, fresh out of high school or in college, and I'm like hitting 30. <laughs> like, that's probably the only time I really felt old was during that time. What's the discipline like um, in the guard versus the uh, active? Oh, man. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, 60% of those want to be able to make it on PT and active duty. No shit. Yeah, I mean, we had yeah, we had guys just like you can just tell looking at them. Oh, they would not make make it in a week active duty with PT. Yeah, well, let me ask you, what do you um, yeah. what do you what do you how do you view the military now that you're out and uh, with the experiences you had? How do you view? Has your view in the military changed at all? Like with the new generation of um of soldier and like we always now you know we're like people like me are called vet bros. Because I believe in yeah. you know, the standards that we have from back in the day when we still wore BDUs. Yep. Um, yep. So I mean, what do what do what do you think? Like, should the military be evolving like that? I'll give you my biggest pet peeve: females on the gun line. I don't think that should yeah. be there at all. But yep. anyway, I got I we got uh, the last um, the last year I was in our battery got our first FDC female. And then the unit, and she was in Charlie, I was in Alpha Battery, she was in Charlie Battery. Probably about three months before I got out, we got our very first 13 female. And I was like, what? Mm. Um, and But the thing is, of course, this was 105 uh, millimeter. Mm-hmm. Those the guns I was on. And right. so I'm thinking to myself, how would she be able to do 155 Paladin mm-hmm. as the number one person? Number one person. <laughs> number one man. How would she be able to do... How how how's that gonna work? Or or let's not not say that. Let's say how about humping rounds in a uh, in a cat. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So that was that was when I got out. Um. So yeah, I do look at it different in regards to what it's changed to. Yeah, I am looking at it differently. Yeah, I um, I I don't. I know that there's women that can do it. I know because there's. I had a, a female chief over here on there before. And she could sling fucking rounds with the best of them. Like, dude, she's a fucking beast. She's a six six it, foot it, beast. She was on one five five. Yeah, she was on Paladin. Okay, so she could sling okay. those. I've seen videos of her slinging those fucking rounds. Like, oh, out. She could do it with the best of them. But yeah. again, um, I don't just see it as that. I also see it as the problems that come in with the EO complaints, the sharp cases. It's not worth it, you know. Um. I'm sorry. Oh. It's just me. I just I knew that there was going to be shark cases, and there sure as fuck are. But well, uh, yeah, and something else. Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, man. This is your this is your time. What do you want so, to talk about? So to add on to that, so you know, I told you I'm in the history. So there's a uh, channel to called World War Two Week by Week, mm-hmm. and it's it's all I recommend it to anybody. They cover what happened in the war this week, this during, this time of the uh, year. Back in, and they're they're right now in 1944. Okay, and they're gonna keep doing it every week until 45. So, and and between every Saturday when they have these episodes that are like 20 minutes long, they have specials. Okay, they recently did uh, a special on basically rapes that happened during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was in the Axis or whether it was the Axis or the Allies, and when you when when a person watches that, I just don't understand how after watching that you can want females being on the front lines because in in war you know you and i we get captured 
uh, as a prisoner of war, you know, that's us. We're probably worst things will happen. They'll probably beat us to death. Yeah. No, that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and I'm not trying to take anything away from females. There are some female fucking badasses out there, like um, in the war in El Salvador with the guerrillas. You know, they had fucking badass females out there, AK 47s out there, you know, humping and killing motherfuckers. But again, you know, here in the states, it's a it's a different culture, I think, because you know you've well, been you look at the IDF, you know, um, in Israel, it's segregated, yeah, and it's segregated. What do you mean it's segregated? So, like, whether it's in the IDF or whether it's like in the Russian army, they have females in the military, but it's segregated. There's certain things that they can only do, or if they are fighting the front lines, they got to be with other, they got to be in a unit with only females in it. Really? So it's not integrated as far yeah. as like male and female. They have all female units. Not like, yeah, stuff like yeah, like you even see it in some of the parades, like in some of the parades that like Russia has mm-hmm. in Moscow. You'll see it like looking on YouTube. You'll see a whole battalion of females all wearing the same outfit, you know, marching down. No shit. See, now that was what I had thought up yeah. of back in. That's what I was like. You China, know, have... China, mm-hmm. China, North Korea, same thing, segregated. See, and it, it just, I think that that's the way it should have been. Like, if, eh, but then they're like, oh, we're equal. And no, 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 no. I hate that yeah. shit. So, anyway, yeah. let me pick your brain, Campbell. What's on your mind, brother? What is on uh, your mind? I, I can talk politics all day, man. And well, you give me an issue, let's, let's hit it. No, you talk to me, baby. What What do you want to discuss, man? What do you think is all an right, issue that is not right, being well, discussed enough? Okay. Well, let me just go back a little bit to the Israel thing. Sure. Um, uh, so for all the listeners out there, here's my thing is this. We need to be able to differentiate that there's a difference between Zionism and Judaism. Okay, Zionism is a political ideology. Judaism is an actual religion. And when it comes to this, this fight uh, that's been going on for almost about 80 years now, the fight is between the Zionists and the Palestinian people. It's not a fight between Islam and Judaism. And I think that's what people get mixed up about. Because a lot of people that are within the uh, within the Palestinian community, a lot of them are Christians. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's some very few Jews. They're not all Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what it comes down to is the Palestinians fighting uh, Zionism. Uh, Campos, I'll get with you afterwards. Almost done. Sorry, go ahead, man. It's the thing about podcasting at home, but, bro. So, well, for those but, that don't know, uh, what exactly is Zionism? So, Zionism is a political ideology that came out uh, of Europe uh, with from the Jewish community. Doesn't mean that all Jews believe in it, but it came from the Jewish community in the late 1800s. Um, and it's basically uh, like a, a Jewish, a Jewish state, Jewish uh, nationalist uh, ideology or Jewish state. Mm-hmm. Which they has accomplished the state part, but they haven't accomplished what they fully want, um, and that's really what it comes down to. There, now, there's different levels of it depending on who you talk to, but for the most part, that's really what it is. Hmm. I mean, uh, so basically, it's almost like a a right wing, a far right wing of of the the Jewish sect or the Jewish religion. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just. Yeah. Cr- I'm just tired of it, bro. I'm just, I honestly don't watch the news anymore simply because it's just full of shit. And um, I was yeah. doing sometimes like they say, you know, ignorance is bliss. I was so happy without watching the news. And the oh, one yeah. fucking time that I'm just skipping through shit on TV. And it's when uh, McCarthy got booted. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Oh, yeah. 
And then from there, what happens that weekend? Fucking that bullshit out there in Israel. I'm like, oh, great. So I get sucked in like oh, a yeah. sucker, you know? And it's just, again, yeah. it's just so stupid. Then every, I mean, Trump has been in this living rent free in all these people's head since 2020. You know, I was like, dude, I can't, I honestly, I want him to win in 2024 just because it was fucking comical. And I'll always say my 401k yeah. looked really good during his presidency. If it wasn't for the way that COVID, you know, how he handled COVID, he would have won yeah. re-election. Yeah. What are your oh, thoughts yeah. on the whole January um, 6th thing? Um, There's some people out that say there's there's some conspiracy theory to it. Um, I mean, when you look at it, it was, it, it was a big rally. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people at that rally did not participate in it. It was basically a small sec, uh, percentage, a small percentage of people at the rally that basically participated in in this whole taking of the, the cattle. And really, since then, almost uh, probably, if not hundred percent, at least ninety five percent of the people have been, uh, you know, put in jail uh, because of it. Um, I just find. I, it- I, I mean, I don't know. What to say. I just go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I just find it funny. How they make it seem like it was a a coup, you know? Like, come on, bro! There was not yeah. a fucking coup there. They weren't on. gonna kill yeah. nobody. They were in there. You see these motherfuckers walking around. Yes, were there idiots that were doing stupid things? Yes, but I saw more during the fucking riots of the Black Lives Matter riots throughout all the major cities oh, yeah. than January six. So now, as a joke, I say, "Oh, you mean Patriots Day?" That's what I've been calling it, or Freedom Day. You know what I'm saying? Just for fucking shits and giggles. Yeah, it's fucking stupid, man. I think um, it. Oh God, you know I, what I want to know? When did being American, being and or considering yourself an American, when did that become something negative? You know what I mean? It's like fuck. I thought, I thought to, it was cool to be proud of being American. You know. Now it's like no, you know you. It's so it's so fucking confusing, man. I don't know. I don't well, know. I think things have really. I mean, they've been getting worse over the years, but I think really things really started getting for the worse once Bush got in there and once this whole war on terrorism started. Hmm. Um, and I think since then we've been going downhill. And I think, I think Trump had tried to do some good. Um, I'm not. A, I mean, I'm not a Trump supporter, although there's a lot of things I do like about Trump. Mm-hmm. There are some things I disagree with him on. But I do think Trump was trying to do some good. Um, but again, he's a threat to the powers that be. Um, um, you know, mm-hmm. he was going against Neo Conda. Uh, you know, that's where the money's at. And so he had people within his own party uh, fighting against them. And he got everybody in the Democrat Party. And then now I remember, you know, the time periods when we were in Iraq, I remember the Neo Conda Republican Party. And now it seems like the majority of them are now switching to the Democrat side. So it's, uh, yeah, things, it's interesting. So um, during this next election cycle, uh, who do you think is going to pop up third party wise? RFK, I think, is going to go third party, right? Yeah, he, he is third party. He announced uh, a couple weeks ago. So he's no longer a Democrat. He's running independent. And primarily that's because uh, he was running as a Democrat and the Democrat Party is refusing for him as well as Marianne Williamson to debate uh, Biden. And Biden's refusing to debate him. Um, and so when you push people in the, oh, and then to top it off, Iowa 
is usually the first caucus state in the nation, and then New Hampshire mm-hmm. is the first primary state. Right. And the Democrat Party has taken that away from both of them just because they know RFK would probably win those two uh, states and make Biden look stupid. Exactly. And so with them doing both those things, it's, it's put uh, RFK in a position where he has to run independent now. You know what trips me out here is, um, like, I was a big Tulsi supporter, and I still am. I love me some Tulsi Gabbard. You oh, know? yeah. And oh, um, yeah. they, the Democrat Party, too. dude, the DNC, they had this fucking election in a bag. You know, they had everything they needed, a minority, a female, a veteran, yeah. young, speaks very well. They had it. It yeah. was just gifted Good to them. Good looking. Yeah, bro. Yeah. All of that shit counts. And what happens? Because she spoke about what happened with Bernie during the last election cycle with fucking um with you know, they they fuck they they buried Hillary. her. Yeah, dude. And it's Hillary, because she was supposed to be like the next golden fucking star from there. But when she went against Hillary, they fucking yeah. call her a fucking Russian uh Trojan horse and a Russian ass. Like, are you serious? This bitch is a fucking uh yeah. she was a, a major or a, a captain at but, the time, I want to say. But it's so stupid or a major at the time. She's Either a current she's current she's a colonel now. Dude, she's a colonel now. The way she took down fucking Kamala during the goddamn debates. I was so oh, happy, yeah. bro. Oh. And then, like, you know, she denounced yeah. the, she got rid of the fucking DNC or she got out of the Democratic Party. I would love to see her yeah. on a bit on a ticket with fucking with, with Trump. You know what I'm saying? I really would because right. I think okay. I, that would be a good yeah. ticket. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know who Trump's gonna have as a running mate, but goddamn, it's gonna be fucking epic. The debates are gonna be fucking epic, bro. I could already I see mean, him up well, there we'll with see. Joe. I, mean, I would. We'll we'll see what happens. I would love to see if 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 RFK can get enough traction to see him, Trump, and Biden all three up there. Oh my goodness! But who do you think that uh, the RFK would pull the the votes from? It's kind of. I'm going to say maybe. See, it's good. It's going as of right now. It's going back and forth. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people on within the Republican side who want who who people like me who supported Ron Paul and probably mm-hmm. Tulsi Gabbard would love to support uh, RFK. But I think people like us also know the reality of things. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, I think he'll probably form more votes from Biden just because mm-hmm. of his name and that he's former Democrat. OK, that's what I think. I mean, it, to me, it's just why did they do Bernie like that? I would prefer Bernie over fucking Biden. Biden is just a puppet, bro. Like he's literally just it's a got- fucking puppet. He he doesn't even know where he's at half the time. Yeah, falling down, and he's even made comments uh, when the microphone's on. He's making comments like, "Well, they told me that I'm not supposed to say this, and they told me that I can't talk about this." Mm-hmm. You, you're the president. Who the fuck tells you to? Fucking Come on, not man. <laughs> Oh, man, dude, it's just it. I just think it's fucking retarded to me. You know, like there should be honestly a cap at how old you can be to be a president. And I think the age of 60, 62 tops to be a president, because that way, if you knock out eight years, you're you're retired at 70 and you're done. You know what I mean? That's the age of retirement now. Right. They want you to retire like 72. So. I figure fucking. Basically. Hmm? Yeah, basically, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think 62 is the cutoff for you to run for your first election. And that way, if you get elected and you do two year, uh, two terms, you'll be out by 70. Done. We're, I'm tired of all these fucking old people. There need to be goddamn limits on how long you're a senator, how long you're a congressman. Because like you said, it's just become something like a... um. What was it that you had mentioned? Yeah, career path, bro. I mean, these motherfuckers are living lavish because they get paid on the side. Yeah, and the founders talked about that. Those writings from the founders, they talked about that. That's one of the fears that they had is that we would have a society where, you know, you have people going to the government making this a career. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what's what's happened. But like I said, that's not going to change until we get the money out, until we get the special interests out. then that's that's when that'll change. But you, more people have to wake up. Yeah, that's not gonna happen, bro. I mean, what do you think um, about? Do you think we're actually gonna go to one um, to like a Bitcoin or some kind of cryptocurrency? Do you think that's gonna happen? I hope not. Um, so one of the uh, so I've given presentations on uh, the concept of money and also central bank. Okay. So where I come from is I will always oppose any form of money that is man-made because okay. regardless of whether it's a private, it's it's created privately or it's created publicly, if you allow a man to have the ability to create money out of thin air, you're allowing them to control the inflation and deflation, the value of that thereof. Um, so whether that be Bitcoin, let's say if you have a, you saved up and you have a thousand dollars of Bitcoin. And you're in the bank, and then they just start pumping more Bitcoin into the currency or into the economy. Well, mm-hmm. now all that money you saved and worked hard for is worth less. Um, so my what I advocate is, is, you know, pretty simple. Let's go back to the Constitution. Constitution says only gold and silver, and we should go back to that. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Nixon. <laughs> you know, yeah. taking up the gold standard from there. You know, like yeah, when our our well Nixon, but first. Nixon, but first F- FDR, because it, it was uh, before FDR, we as individual people were still using it. Okay. Nixon took basically, FDR took us off that, and then Nixon's the one who, the government was still trading. When the government had to do uh, deals and trade, they had to do it still with the uh, precious metals. Nixon oh. took us off that. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and the reason why he took us off that, and the reason why he took us off that is because all the debt that was accumulated from Vietnam. Of course. God damn, dude. It's I need to have you back on here so we can have a whole fucking um conversation on just the military industrial complex. Cause I think we barely fucking took a jab at the top of it, but didn't really delve deep into it. So Campos, I'm gonna want you again. Um and we gotta set up a Absolutely. date. And I would definitely just the whole podcast episode will be about the military industrial complex. I want to understand it more. You know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of us that have heard that terminology, have heard, but don't, I'll I'll speak for myself. I don't fully grasp it. You know what I mean? I know that it's a way to make money out of it. And I know it's like, you know, Boeing, it's like fucking Raytheon. And it's going to read a book called War is a Racket. War is a Racket. Yeah. Oh, Dude, I really appreciate you being here with me today. My family's home now, so I do have to wrap this one up. Um, we'll, Absolutely. We'll, ge- we'll keep in touch, um, and this will be dropping on Thursday. So uh, um, you might if I tag you on it once, uh, once it comes out. So 
Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. And then we'll definitely keep in contact because I want to have you on again. And I'm sure that there's going to be others that would definitely want to have a discussion with you too, because this was really one of my, one of my podcasts that I've enjoyed like learning from, you know what I'm saying? So, cause yeah. honestly, I'm telling you the perception that, that I remember of you was the, the oddball who lived in the barracks, who had a huge fucking crush on, um, on Hillary Duff. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and you what? remember my poster in the barracks room? Exactly, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, and um, you know, and then also we remember you being the political guy, the the Ron Paul guy. So, you know, a lot of the things that happened back then, you know, shit. If we only listened a little bit more clear, because I became a huge Ron Paul supporter, uh shit, when uh he ran last time and that was a shit show, but hey, 2012. Yeah, Ron Paul 2012, baby. But didn't work out that well. So, but hey, I do appreciate you here, man. Um, we definitely got to keep in touch again. I do want to do this. We'll definitely have to link back up. All right, brother. Any shout outs right, you'd like man, to give before we good, uh man. we good. call it a day? Uh, not really, man. I just want to say that it was good to see you again, Lopez. It's been years, and uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to talking again. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm sure a lot of folks will be like, holy shit, Campbell's done changed. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, man. I mean, I just think about it like I'm thinking about it right now. Like, man, there's a lot of drunk conversations that I could have had with you back then. You know what I'm saying? But then again, you were still in that. I, I was. You were I still young. Too. Yeah, you were yeah. still really young. And I was already fucking damn near 30. So I was too busy getting drunk anyway. But uh, all right, Campos, I appreciate you, brother. You have yourself a good evening, everybody. I do appreciate y'all listening to the Under Gun Line podcast. If you have any views that you want that you would like to challenge or discuss, you know, definitely hit us in the comments. Hit us up at onthegunline at gmail.com. I definitely would uh, love to bring up your questions, your comments, your gripes, bitches, complaints. Or if you want to come down and shoot the shit like I did with Campos here, I don't have to have, be somebody that served with you. You know, you just have to be somebody that wants to come in. Uh, Chop it up and shoot the shit, man. It's therapy without the therapist, and it works. All right, with that being said, rounds complete. End of mission. Gunline out. Deuces, y'all. March order. I'll catch you later, Campos. You have a good one, brother.